Today on the Jacob Beer Show, I'm so happy to have on Susan Ford Bales. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jacob. How are you? Good. And for some of our guests, um, this is Susan Ford Bales, who is the daughter of President Gerald Ford, um, who was president about 40 years ago for some of the younger people who might not study history as much, but you know, we have on a lot of different guests, so you can learn about those things. So I'm happy to have you on today. Thank you, Jacob. I'm looking forward to it. Well, my first question is, what was it like kind of being raised, growing up in a political family, and then living in the White House, being a teenager? I'm 17. You were my age living in the White House. What was that kind of like, you know? It had to have been pretty crazy, fun, and, you know, also crazy at the same time. No, it was. But I had grown up in Washington my entire life. So my dad was a congressman from the time I was born. So that just being in Washington and being in a political family throws you some different curves, shall we say. Um, but I was used to it. I, I grew up with other congressional kids um, and we're friends with them. So in that sense, that's kind of what happens in Washington. Uh, not anymore, but that was back in the day, back in the 70s. And then my dad became vice president. And that was a short lived uh, assignment, whatever you want to call it. About a year, if I'm correct, 11 months. 11 months. You're about right. Yeah. And uh, then he became president. And so, you know, literally that night we were informed that we were moving to the White House, but it was about 10 days before we moved to the White House because they had to move the Nixon's things out um before we could move in as a family so my dad commuted from alexandria virginia where i grew up for about 10 days until we moved in wow and then what was it like you know going to school um of course there's a lot of president's kids that have gone to kind of the same school what is that experience like i've heard some people say you know well you know a lot of kids go to that school they're the son or daughter of a senator so it isn't so much like wow you're the president's daughter you know what was that experience um, kind of like? Well, I mean, the thing is, I started off at Holton Arms School in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, as a freshman. Um, and that was because of the busing in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. If any of you have ever seen the uh, movie Remembering the Titans, where Denzel Washington plays um, one of the coaches, uh, Alexandria school system started a big busing program and my brothers came home and said, you can't send Susan to public school, which is where I had gone to school uh, up until then. So I transferred to a private girls school in Bethesda and was a boarder. But when my dad became vice president and I uh, got secret service protection, I had to move out of the dorm and back home. And then I commuted back and forth to Holton Arms every day. It was about a 40 minute drive. Wow. So then what was but, it? I mean, I, I put on my uniform and curled up in the back seat of the car and slept. I mean, just like, you know, most- A normal kid. A normal <laughs> kid. Um, but living in the White House was very different. To me, I had grown up, you know, sharing a bathroom with three brothers. Um, we lived in a pretty simple salt box house um, and, my parents had their own bedroom and bathroom, but all of the guest rooms back then, you shared one bathroom. So uh, the best bonus to me was I got my own bathroom at the White House and I didn't have to share it with my brothers. 
but it was fun. We had a bowling alley. We had a movie theater, all of those things. But my life pretty much stayed the same. I got up, went to class every morning. By this point, I'm now a senior in high school when my dad became president. Um, went to class all day got back in the car and went back to the White House. And before my parents would let me do any of the functions or participate, it was, you got to get your homework done. And that was the number one priority. Wow. <laughs> Seems like any good parents. So. Yes, that's what we're all supposed to do, right? Absolutely. And of course, you know, what now, if you don't mind me asking, did you ever, what room in the White House was your favorite? And did you ever sleep in the Lincoln bedroom? Or, you know, did you sleep in rooms that had had some kind of history? Well, every room has history. Like, what room was it, if you can recall? Well, my bedroom was up on the third floor. Which most um, people can't see, but there is a third floor there. There is a third floor. It's behind those little pillars at the top. Um, and I, my my bedroom was on the north side of the White House, so I could hear the demonstrators outside, which were the Vietnam War demonstrators. Um, and uh, then uh, my, I guess my favorite room, there, there are a lot of really exceptional rooms in the White House, um, but it, it would be the state floor, which is where the red room, the green room, the blue room, and the dining room and the east room, which are the public rooms. So if you ever go on a tour of the White House, those are the rooms that you would see, but they're just so elegant and beautiful. And, you know, when I look at what Mrs. Kennedy and Mrs. Nixon and, and all of those women did, to bring back the original furnishings that were there before, you know, the house got burned and everything else. The White House has come a long way and I still do a lot of events and things with the White House Historical Association. Awesome. And one last thing, I'm just on the topic of this before I kind of go into ask some questions about your father's um, legacy is what, after, you know, of course you left office and things like that, you went on to college if I'm correct, what is it like, you know, when people like perhaps Chelsea Clinton as a teenager moved in or the Obama kids, did you have any type of relation with, you know, giving them any advice or things like that over the years when other first families would come in or kids of well-known politicians? Did you have anything to do with that potentially? You know, it's, that's kind of one of those things. Uh, Amy Carter followed me. She was, uh, she went to Washington public schools. Um, I had no contact with Amy. Um, I have met Chelsea Clinton. Um, and it's the sad thing is normally when we are together, it's usually because it's a funeral. Um, I'm probably closer to the Johnson girls because they were just a little bit older than me. I know Patricia Nixon Cox. Um, so it, it's kind of, and I've met the Bush girls. You did an so interview with one that I really liked. That was a very good interview. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just, it all depends when my dad or mother, I have to think about this, received the uh, presidential gold medal. Um, we got to go back to the White House. Bush 41 was president then. Um, and Mrs. Bush let us go up into the family quarters to see the house because I had not been upstairs. It's unusual that you are allowed to go back upstairs into the rooms that you got 
to live in. Interesting. So it's every administration does it differently and that's their right and that's their choice. And so it was a real pleasure that President and Mrs. Bush allowed us to go up to the third floor and I could see my bedroom. Awesome. I guess, you know, that kind of makes it just like anything, you know, it'd be like me going back to Ohio and maybe the neighbors would let me in, maybe they wouldn't, you know, no, no difference there just because it's the White House, you know, it's still someone else's living quarters at the moment, you know, that's right. And my freshman year of college, I lived in the house and commuted because I went to a small women's college in Washington. And then my sophomore year, I transferred and went into a townhouse with a bunch of girlfriends because I wanted to experience what college was like. And then I transferred from there to the University of Kansas and never finished, which was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. Interesting. Are you a Jayhawks fan? I am, but they're out of the March Madness yep. right now. So that's that's not good. <laughs> and so is Michigan where your uh, father played football and won a title. So Right. They ended up in the NIT. Yeah, but then lost to Vandy. I know, which is, you know, hard for me to handle. <laughs> so now I just want to, I don't want to, of course, just base this entire interview off of the White House because there's many unique things. Um, your father, of course interesting how I became president you know um what 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 legacy would you say he'd want to be known as you know leaving behind of course there's so many different things when you look at it but a lot of people say now today's what they're like you know kind of looking back on history Trump Biden Obama I would take a Gerald Ford presidency at the moment right now it's what I've heard people say to me well and and I think you're you're right because that's what people say to me also where is your dad now? And I'm like, well, sorry, I can't help you on that. But, um, you know, my dad's legacy was all about integrity. And he um, was a president who reached across the aisles. But you have to remember, he had been in Congress for 25 years. So he knew both parties. He knew both parties well. The only job he ever wanted was to be Speaker of the House, which he never got to do. It was the 25th Amendment of our Constitution, which allowed him to become vice president. So he had a lot of unique things that happened to him that have never happened since to to this day. Um, You know, it's but his was all about integrity and working together. My dad was an incredible listener. And if you look at his cabinet and you look at the people that work for him, Dick Cheney, Don Rumsfeld, Alan Greenspan, all of those people, he got the best and he always listened to what they had to say before he made his decision on policy. Absolutely. And of course, a lot of them went on to do some pretty historic things like Dick Cheney who became vice president, was the deputy chief of staff. Donald Rumsfeld, who went on to serve under some other administrations, right. and a lot of the Reagan alumni even, who came right. from the Ford administration before. So, right. you know, things like that. And then your mom, of course, she uh, her story was very unique about how she was diagnosed with cancer six weeks in, if I'm correct. And she's been an ad, she was an advocate as well um, for women's rights, which few people, you know, don't know because you know Ford was Republican and she kind of had a liberal sense. What was that kind of like? You know, seeing her advocate for things over the years. 
Well, I will always be proud of her for being so outspoken. And, you know, one of the promises that my parents made to the, the American public was honesty. And so when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer, which back in 1974, you couldn't say breast on TV. And um, so she really broke that ceiling and came out and talked about her experience and her mastectomy and everything else. So I'm really proud of her for that. But she also spoke out about equal rights amendment. It's pretty shocking today that it still hasn't passed. And I don't get that. Um, I, I think she would be mortified that we still don't have an equal rights amendment. Everything else is, you know, equal this, equal that, but we don't have an equal rights amendment. So that's that's disappointing, I think. Interesting. And then, um, of course, I'd like to focus on you again. Um, you've, in some ways, done some things for mental health um, advocating, which I think is important, especially for teenagers. You know, the suicide rate is alarming. Depression is alarming. What advice, you know, would you say from your research and things like that, what do you have for people, you know, when it comes to mental health? That maybe well, first, I mean, it gets back to being open and honest and telling the truth. But I, I sit on the board of the Hazelton Betty Ford Foundation and which treats substance use disorder, which has to do with mental health or the majority, I would say, of our patients um, have a mental health component to their substance use disorder. And so mental health is extremely important and you've got to work with the two of them side by side to help each other out. And I mean, my mother talked about her mental health back in the day and we've come a long way, but we have a long road ahead of us still. And what would you kind of, I guess, um suggest for teenagers who might be going through a tough time trying to find themselves you know what advice would you kind of have on that part of it and the reason why I said this because a lot of teenagers and college kids ask that and you know being in college can be stressful or you know being in high school not having friends things like that well and and I have my children are now grown but I now have a 16 year old granddaughter and uh, a 13 year old grandson and then three other grandchildren and so I've watched them having to manage this. And, you know, the thing is there are 800 numbers, use them. Uh, at the same time, get help sitting in a closet and hiding your disease. If it's mental illness, isn't going to change anything. And it's, you know, people need to get out and do something about it and get help because things aren't going to change unless you get help. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the advice and I hope people will like you said, I think that's such a big thing and you can't say it enough literally is get out and get help, you know, don't hide it. So, you know, hopefully well, I mean, I have friends that are school guidance counselors. I mean, there is help out there all over the place, but no one can come find you. You're the one who has to make that first step and step forward. Just like getting a job it's real that people are going to call you for a job. You got to go out there and apply yourself to that. So kind of the same thing if you're going, if you need a counselor they're out there, reach out to them, you know, they're not yep. going to find you because there's 1200 kids at a high school potentially, you know, but they are there, you know, yep. there's, I can, I know at my high school, there used to be like one counselor. Now there's three. Um, granted, they all kind of do different things, but you know, like you said, they're out there and there's help. So get the help. And there's a lot 
in the professional field too that we're seeing grow. Um, so lots of good things on that. And then kind of one last question I have is, would you ever consider potentially running for office? Heavens no. <laughs> um, I had to ask that, you know, because I know, I know, but heavens no. I I gave my dad up for 25 years when he was in Congress and president, vice president, and was away from the family and that sort of thing. You know, there are other ways to change the world, and hopefully it's my volunteer work with breast cancer and substance use disorder to make changes. Um, but it's the political world is a hard world to live in. Um, there people are so judgmental and quick to judge. Interesting. Well, I appreciate you coming on the Jacob Beer show today. Do you have any maybe last little stories you want to share that you have from the a White House memory as well? Well, since you're you're dealing with high school kids, I am the only to this date person to have ever had a senior prom at the White House. And um, it was a very, very special night. And I felt very privileged and lucky to have been able to do that for my class. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Speaking of prom, our tickets go on sale this week at our school for that. I appreciate you coming on the Jacob Beer Show today. Thanks, Jacob.